everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Death Space Filling the Void. Fireworks still going off here in Charleston, South Carolina from the 4th. Oof, I, uh, I certainly delayed recording this. I'm recording uh, the introduction here on Tuesday, the 6th, which will give me a little bit of time to put the whole episode together for Thursday, but... I'm feeling the choices of the weekend, <laughs> of the long weekend. Jamie and I had an incredible weekend. We went to Sullivan's Island, which is a beach here in Charleston. I also learned that Charleston is ranked number three in the U.S. in terms of shark attacks. Doesn't make you feel good, even though the odds are one in 783 million. Yes, I, I looked that up and, and memorized it. And I'll definitely be recalling that information when I go swimming. Because I'm not going to not go swimming. Come on. I feel like LL Cool J and Deep Blue Sea taught us everything we need to know about shark attacks. You just you go for the eye. Done. <laughs> just that easy. We also laid by the pool and we went to see some fireworks. And seemingly everyone has fireworks in South Carolina. <laughs> but yeah feeling it you know it's just one of those things you got to push through make it happen get things done and then get to bed immediately <laughs> need a little sleep and a little less alcohol in the system and we'll be right as brain oh i also forgot to mention cooked up some gator had to give it a shot turned out delicious i did one with a, a cajun rub and kind of pan seared it in olive oil in a cast iron pan with the other one, I made it in, I uh, caramelized some garlic and white onion in some butter and add the gator in with a little bit of white wine and ooh, ooh, <laughs> it's very good. I'm certainly on the more adventurous side when it comes to eating, but I think most people would enjoy it. It didn't taste like swamp meat, <laughs> which is something I feel like people are afraid of when it comes to gators, but it had a little something in there that made you know that it wasn't chicken you know it was kind of like chicken except there was something else in there i you can't quite put my finger on it. maybe it's water or the fact that it's, it's very lean and it's a bit muscular but anyway would recommend trying to cook some gator it's nice to have some different choices and try some new stuff all right we've got a great interview lined up for today i spoke with laura a sussman who's the owner and a licensed funeral director from Kraft Sussman Funeral and Cremation Services out in Nevada. I don't know if I'm supposed to say Nevada or Nevada, but I'll just acknowledge. I'll, I'll say both, and uh, my instinct is to say Nevada. Nevada sounds like I'm, I'm trying too hard to say that, so that can't be right. Laura and I had a great conversation about a few things. Natural burials, so different options that you can have for religious reasons or, or wanting to have a smaller carbon footprint with what happens to your body, uh, different kinds of cremation, including aquamation, which I had never heard of, which is instead of being burned in cremation, you know, with flame, it's done with water. That sounds a lot nicer to me. I don't like the idea of being burned. You know, water's just water. We're mostly water as it is. We also talked about the experience of funeral homes and, and what her and her partner try to do differently. Everything from the fact that some funeral homes pay their employees on commissions, so they're trying to upsell you. And how her 
funeral home doesn't do that. Their employees actually get bonuses for times they, they get a five-star review on Google. How her funeral home has dogs there, if the family's open to allowing the dogs. And, and just how her funeral home is decorated a little bit differently. And, and the access that she allows family members. And I feel like a lot of us don't really think about funeral and wake traditions and what we'd like to do differently. So it's really interesting to actually consider ways that things can be a little bit different and and how that could be beneficial for people who are grieving. To not feel as though you're going through the motions, that you're an active participant. And I think that could be really helpful with the grieving process. Well, I'm very excited to get to the interview. Just want to remind you to If you're liking the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you're using. And also to check the show out, Death Space Filling the Void, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the interview with Laura Sussman. Joining me now is Laura Sussman, who is a funeral director. What's the name of your your funeral home? It's Kraft Sussman Funeral and Cremation Services. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm very excited to be speaking with you today because we're going to be talking about natural burials. And, and I'm very curious, what is a natural burial? Well, it's defined differently by different people, but basically it is uh, a burial that is similar to what's happened through the generations and ages where There's no embalming that we use biodegradable caskets or shrouds or clothing to wrap the person in, and that the person, the deceased, is placed in the earth in a a natural state versus surrounded by metal and concrete and things that don't readily decompose in the earth. Got it. Okay. The thought process, just so I understand it, being that embalming fluid, you know, is a relatively, in the period of, of human existence, uh, a newish invention as opposed to uh, over most of human existence, you would pass away and then kind of go on the ground. Right. Like uh, in the United States, uh, embalming started in the Civil War era, era where people could not. Uh, see their sons who passed away without somebody coming up with embalming to be able to bring them back to wherever they're from. So the body could stay intact, wouldn't decompose, and the family could could see their their son or brother um, before burial. So it was a way to to help the families to, to reconnect with their loved one who passed. Just so I understand, embalming fluid helps the body maintain its appearance it mostly it feels like it is for the loved ones uh to be able to view uh, the, correct okay yeah so it's uh it's made out of formaldehyde and um it uh, displaces the blood in the body and it preserves the cells the cells won't break down without oxygen uh, it also kills any kind of viruses bacteria so if somebody had a contagious disease, you know, you could actually see them and do a viewing. But religions that uh, opt for more natural methods of burial, Judaism, Muslim, uh, they really forbid embalming. Mm. Formaldehyde also, you know, when it's placed in the soil, leaches into the soil, goes into our water system. So it, it stays for, for many years after the, just the visitation. Right. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something you want in the water supply. 
Right. Um, they do make some, and we started using them years ago. They do make some carcinogen or formaldehyde-free embalming fluids that uh, uh, they don't provide the same effect on, on contagious diseases, but they do provide a nice appearance for the families. So it's a, it's a little easier on the environment and, and the person using it, you know, the embalmer, to provide a nice appearance, but it's not having the effect on the, the soil that uh, a formaldehyde-based embalming fluid would. Got it. I want to ask where natural burial sort of started. You may have answered that a bit with uh, religion, but before we get to that, why do we think, or why, yeah, why do you think it's important for families to see their deceased relatives? You know, I'm sure that's not standard across cultures around the world, uh, but it's something that I feel like here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a bit common and, and it's almost like there's a promise that you'll have that moment to say goodbye face to face. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and actually in history, people have always had a chance to, to see their loved ones because there weren't funeral homes, right? So a person mm-hmm. would pass away, they would do a service or a wake at their home, or they would have the deceased at their home until the time of the burial uh, or cremation, depending on the culture. So they always had that opportunity, but once funeral homes came into effect, you know, the the deceased was taken to the funeral home. Sometimes family members weren't around at the time of death. They didn't get a chance to see their loved one. So we created those opportunities for visitation. Uh, And then obviously with embalming, where you could uh, preserve the body longer, people could come in two weeks, three weeks later and have a big you know, event where it used to be before embalming, people would do things in a, in a much more timely manner, you know, a day or two. You know, I mentioned Judaism and Islam, you know, the idea is to bury the body as soon as possible out of the dignity of the deceased before it decomposes at all. And um, so those, you know, we try to do that as soon as possible within a day or two. Mm-hmm. And the family members, if they're around, they participate. If they're not, you know, they, if they can't get here in time, they try to, we try to do it as quickly as possible. And nowadays we can Zoom a service, you know, people can participate mm-hmm. from wherever they are. With the whole COVID pandemic, obviously, you know, family members can't go into the hospitals. So the only chance they get to see their loved one after a death or even uh, well, it's after death, but even if they've had a long illness, they haven't seen them in weeks or months, uh, except maybe by a FaceTime or something, uh, they can come into the funeral home and spend some time with them, which is really important for people to to make that connection physically with somebody that they've lost. Yeah, I will share that, you know, the times I've ex- experienced loss, particularly my grandmothers, there there was a, it's really nice to have that moment to look them face to face and and feel like you are speaking directly to them. Yeah. Otherwise they're in your mind, of course they're in your heart, but that is important, that face to face time. That's one of the things we do, different than a lot of the other mortuaries in, in Las Vegas, is we always provide time for a family to spend a few minutes with their loved one. First of all, it lets us know that we have the right person. We don't have to take the word of a third party, but that time for them is really important. And often you know, if, if it was a horrific death, let's say, you know, they found them at home from a suicide or 
you know, it's a coroner case or they hadn't seen them in the hospital or they did see them in the hospital, but they had like a, a breathing tube in or something to be able to come into the funeral home where it's quiet, there's not a lot of noise around, you know, beeping or sirens or whatever. And uh, they, you know, they've had their, we call it features set where their mouth and eyes are closed. And it, it's just such a, a much more peaceful experience than uh, where they may have seen them last, which may have been much more traumatic. That's uh, that's such a great point. Hospitals can be so scary, or if there is a certainly an incident. It, it is almost like you're seeing them in a. They're okay, you know. They're yeah wherever they are now, and and hopefully it's a bit calmer for them. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never had somebody say to me, "I wish I hadn't gone in and seen them," but I've had people say, "I wish I had," or "If I wish I'd had that opportunity with you know a prior death." It's it's frightening for many people, but after they have that time, they're usually very grateful that they they spent it. That's I feel like that's true too for people who are ailing of health, where some people may shy away right. from seeing them in that state, but then you cherish it, or you cherish that you could potentially be there for them in some way, even if they don't outright acknowledge it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things we do sort of going along with that is we allow the families to come in and actually care for their their loved ones. So if they want to be the one to bathe them or dress them, oh, or do wow. some care, it's, it's, um, it's a gift that they could never, you know, the deceased could never repay, but it's so meaningful. Even, you know, we've had had people that uh, have decorated caskets or urns, you know, just some little thing like that where they're, they're doing some, something for that person that um, is just very personal and meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so special. I've never heard anything like that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we started this, uh, Wendy Craft and I, as a second career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really had no background in funeral service, but I kept trying to think of ways we could make it as personal as possible uh, so that, you know, almost taking it back to before there were funeral homes, like how could we help the family create an experience as meaningful for them and be there to support them? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people take us up on it. Some people are like, no, you know, this, I, I just want a funeral home to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. But those that do help in some way, they never forget that opportunity that they had and that experience. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Well, what were you before? You mentioned this is the second career. Uh, I was a nonprofit. I was an executive director or CEO. Oh, very nice. What made you want to make the switch? Part of what I did as a volunteer was I was part of a Hebra Kedisha, the Jewish Burial Society. And uh, we would go volunteer to help prepare Jews for uh, burial after they passed. And um, in going into some of the other funeral homes in the area, I, I just thought there had to be a different way how sometimes I'd go in and I'd see bodies stacked or people just, just weren't in a way that I would have thought respectful. Yeah. Um, the other thing I learned, and Wendy worked for one of the corporate chains at the time, is that a lot of funeral staff are paid on commission and bonuses based on how much they can sell families. Uh. So, and, and most of the families don't know that going in, right? So 
I was leaving my last job. I had 30 years in nonprofits and uh, just thinking, what, what did I want to do next in my life? And this just kept popping up that, you know, why don't we try to create a different model for funeral homes? Hmm. Uh, so my staff, nobody gets paid on commission. They actually get a bonus if they get a five-star review online. We want to make oh, sure that's wonderful. families are served and that they, you know, that that's the number one concern. So how do we change what we do? I mean, our funeral home doesn't look like a traditional funeral home. We're in a business park. It's all natural colors and we have therapy dogs. You know, we, we try to make it seem as comfortable as possible for families. So you have, you have your dogs walking around during a service? We do, if That's the family's wonderful. okay with it. Some, we once in a while, and some cultures don't appreciate dogs, sure, sure, <laughs> you know? yeah. but uh, for those that do, or if somebody would come in and we don't have the dogs for whatever reason they were out that day, uh, they're a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting some dogs, yeah. <laughs> right, well, I, I like, think where's Obi? I saw him on the, on the website. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's why I chose you. I wanted to play with the dogs. Well, I think that's wonderful. On top of commissions. I mean, I have to say that feels so, I'll I'll use the word gross that I understand that funeral homes are businesses just like anything else, but that feels, it feels off not to judge anyone. Yeah. I, I, it feels wrong. And Wendy and I both felt that that was not how people should be treated at the time of death. I mean, the the person sitting across from the table is supposed to be the person that's the expert on this, the person that's supposed to help counsel and guide Mm -hmm. you. And in the back of their mind, when they're motivated by how much can I upgrade this sale, it just rubbed us and we just did not want to get involved in that. Uh, and that said, I mean, you know, people said, oh, you're never going to be, you're never going to survive as a funeral home. Well, we've been in business 12 years now, and we have the highest online reviews of any funeral home in the state. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. I agree with you. That That is the highest mark. I want to use the, the term funeral parlor. My grandmother always said that. <laughs> sure. I may just be a very old-timey way of saying it. I, I keep catching myself from saying that. Uh, that's all right. They're, they're, that's what most people are familiar with, especially if they come to Vegas from, and most people are from somewhere else. It's so different here than it is probably, you know, the old places in New York or the Midwest, you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Well, what are some of the other ways your funeral home behaves differently than there's the lack of commissions? There's, it seems like you're painting and and decorating in a different way. There are dogs. I'm curious if there's anything else that... Yeah, so um, a lot of the, most of the funeral homes in the country are big uh, part of corporate chains, right? There are um, many significant chains. A lot of them are publicly traded. They're great stocks because they're very profitable. (laughs) And the way they run their uh, funeral homes it's um, almost like an assembly line. So families meet with one person maybe to do their pre-planning and another person after a death. And then somebody else takes care of ordering the death certificate. Somebody else is taking care of getting the body ready. Somebody else is going to be at the service and, and so on. And we provide what we consider a continuity of care. So if you come in and you meet with one of our staff, that's the person that you're going to meet with throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. So you, we, we work on trying to develop a relationship so they have 
a sense of trust and, and know that we have their best interest in mind. And it's a lot easier. You don't have to explain yourself five times to different people. You don't go to a service and not know who the, the funeral um, staff member is. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go in and you see somebody. And that that's the person that you've seen before because you've met with them. And yeah. that we try to create that level of comfort. I think that's wonderful. Uh, as someone who recently has had to deal with the New York State Department of Motor Vehicles and, and different chains and different people, and that's just for a car, you know, working with the right. same person when the stakes are even higher, we're talking about death, uh, that sounds very comforting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is we, we have somebody, a licensed staff member on call 24 hours a day, which, you, you know, you have in a lot of small towns, but in bigger cities and the corporate chains, you don't always get somebody. If you have a question or somebody passes away, you have to wait till the morning, you know, or Monday to, to get an answer. Oh, my God. Um, but we have somebody and, and it's different in Las Vegas than in most places because our hospitals don't have morgues. So if somebody passes away, the family has to make a decision right away of where they want their loved one to go to be cared for. And if you can't speak to a funeral director, you don't know, you have got questions, you want to make sure that you're comfortable where your loved one is going. So somebody needs to be available. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine the stress of uh, having to make such an important decision like that. Right. Oh my yeah. goodness. I want to ask you about different kinds of, of natural burials. I feel like a common one and one that jumps to mind when, when I reached out to you was I've seen on like 60 minutes and such of people being buried in, in pods where a tree would grow. Is, is that kind of what you would do or, or that's not quite? That is an option. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's one way people are probably placed in the ground but usually it's more in uh either without a casket you know okay. just in a shroud or a sheet uh or in a natural uh wooden casket so we do a lot with pine and poplar or softwoods mm -hmm. but uh you know you whatever you place the person in you want it to be able to be biodegradable so that they can all go back into the earth Right. I mean, there are some body composting, which is legal now, I believe, in uh, Washington state, mm -hmm. um, where the body is placed in a really highly compostable material or area in the forest. And they'll decompose a lot faster than they would, let's say, in the desert here in Las Vegas. Yeah. So natural deaths, is it two people, two kinds of people jump out? Is it mostly people who uh, have specific faiths or, and, and, and people who like being green or like the idea of not polluting in their final act? Who is the, the typical customer that, you, that you're seeing? Right. So Islam and Judaism are always, natural burials that were, uh, and green burials were part of the culture thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the largest percentage. But as more and more people are looking for ways to protect the earth. There are more and more people who have that green consciousness that are exploring natural burials. It's not huge, um, but we do get calls, you know, once every couple of weeks, but not as often as I would expect, actually. Hmm. Yeah. That is I think a lot of people think of cremation as a natural alternative, uh, a more 
uh, echo-friendly alternative to burial, but that may or may not be the, the case depending on the type of cremation. Right. Well, uh, you mentioned aqua cremation to me right. before we, we began recording. I, I'm so curious how that works, and is that an option on your menu? I mean, do, do you even call it, like, is menu the wrong word to use? <laughs> <laughs> so we have every funeral home has a general price list. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the options on that is uh, we call it aquamation. It's a, a, a form of cremation. It's an alkaline hydrolysis cremation. Uh, and that uses water and alkaline, uh, potassium and sodium hydroxide is what we use, to break down all the soft tissue of the body and leave behind the bones. Hmm. Uh, so instead of flame, where the soft tissue is destroyed by flame and leaves the bones behind, we use uh, this water and alkaline. It's a much more gentle process than the flame. It uses one-tenth the uh, energy, so it's much less of a carbon footprint. Uh, there's no emissions into the air, and we're able actually to get more of the remains left, up to about 20% more of the remains of the deceased than with flame cremation. Oh, wow. It's, uh, that sounds so interesting, and, and <laughs> honestly, only use the word lovely. It sounds, you know, it, it seems odd using the word lovely for a term, you know, describing how a dead body is being put back into the world. But I'm not judging anyone for choosing cremated by fire, but that just sounds so much softer and, and nicer. The idea of being surrounded by water as opposed to flame. It is. I mean, it's, uh, we find that when we, people know that we have that as an option, about 80% are choosing that over flame cremation. Mm. And from an operator point of view, it's such a more gentle process. Sound-wise, you know, the, the machine is very quiet. Uh, the water circulates with a, a, a fan that basically moves the water around like you're in a gentle stream uh, hmm. versus, you know, a loud blast furnace, basically, mm-hmm. is what the deceased has put in for flame cremation. Yeah. The fact that there's no emissions into the air, there's no smokestack where mercury and different toxins potentially are going into the air, it's, it's really a great alternative. Yeah. The process was used by hospitals and, and medical facilities for uh, medical equipment sterilization. Hmm. So what happens is after the process, everything is completely sterile. With flame cremation, we would have to remove a pacemaker uh, because of the batteries. With this, it comes out pristine. Artificial joints and pins and stuff, we can send that all to be recycled, returned back into the into use versus uh, burying it. You know, So it really has a much lower impact on the earth compared to any other option for the disposition of somebody. That sounds so wonderful. Yeah, sign me up. <coughs> <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself, are your Excel skills optimized for your current job? I mean, what if you're going to get another one? Eventually, you might want another one. Be honest, even if you love your job, you're checking on LinkedIn, Glassdoor, seeing what the salary is at at a slightly different job, at a slightly different company. I mean, it's it's only natural. It's only human. (laughs) Do you know the basics but would like to learn more? Incoming My Software Tutor. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. Just start asking the live instructor for a job. (laughs) 
Come on, I'm the best in the class. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. These courses will increase your marketability. You can start looking on Indeed, LinkedIn, Glassdoor with a little more confidence. You got the shiny shoes on. You know Excel a little bit better. You're ready to go. You're ready to get that new job. Whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor, register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Saving 20% and looking better for that new job. It's a no-brainer. Then we've got Garnished Entertainment. You know, this company started fully uh, fully virtual. Now as we're getting the vaccines, everyone can get together a bit and, and video them in. Or if you're in New York or New Jersey... They could come by. Oh, man, that sounds so fun. Are you missing your friends? Yeah, invite them over and make cocktails. That sounds so fun. Tired of unwinding in front of the TV? Losing your marbles ever so slightly? I'll shake up your night with a Garnished virtual cocktail event. Garnished Entertainment is a New York City-based mixology event company with the mission of bringing communities together through creative and entertaining virtual cocktail classes. This is an aside, but I went to a uh, cocktail class, cocktail making class in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and the cocktails were were just like straight liquor. <laughs> we're left there uh, feeling pretty good, feeling so good, in fact, that uh, we were surprised when our Uber driver got pulled over for driving a hundred miles an hour. Just didn't even know. <laughs> That's not great. Whether you're catching up with old friends, team building with colleagues, or looking for the perfect date night, Garnished would love to be your host. Let's Garnish. And also, you know, pay attention if your Uber driver is going 100 miles an hour. That's, that's too fast. It's too fast. Okay, let's go right back to the interview. What is it like working in death? I mean, I would imagine there's a, a bit of an emotional tax taxation on you and your staff where you're constantly dealing with people who are heartbroken that must have been a a difficult transition for you to to start to deal with that yeah there were there were many times when i just thought it was too tough you know emotionally it's just so hard but i kept being reminded that if we're here you know we can help the family and Mm -hmm. i i really focus on helping the family and making the process as smooth and as easy as possible under the circumstances. I mean, anybody can do a cremation or, you know, order a casket for a burial, but being there to support the family and giving them options and not trying to pressure them is what I see as my role. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. <coughs> Very important. People who are the family that's still there need, need help. They need. That's right. Some they need an expert that can not only is the deceased being crossed over some finish line for lack of a better term, but they also need help to transition from you know getting that person to their final resting place to start the grieving process. Um, for sure. Yeah. What would you say working in death has taught you about life? Has it changed your day to day or year to year? living? Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate life a lot more. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of very tragic deaths. You know, when you see somebody who's in their 90s or 100, it's natural. But when you see children and, and young people and young parents, it's it's not the way it's supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I really appreciate what I have and my health and the health of my family. I do do a lot of hiking and I've been doing mm-hmm. a lot more since I started doing this just to get out in nature and center myself. Uh, that's, I think, how I stay sane. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. How have things changed with, with COVID? I mean, I'm sure everything is now heightened as unfortunately cases rise and, and lots of deaths. Uh, how has that affected both your business and, and you and your team's mental state of being? Well, Vegas has not had the numbers of deaths as other areas of the country, although I think we've had about 1,200 deaths, which is pretty significant. It's scary. I mean, you know, we, it's um, when we bring someone into our care who's had COVID, the virus is still in them. So we have to be really careful of how we uh, deal with them Mm -hmm. and how we care for them. Even more so, I think, in working with the families who have been exposed to this person, you know, trying to, to do as much as we can remotely, but then the family you know, often they need to see their loved one and we try to make that happen for them if possible. Having services is really tough. It's, um, you know, they can't get the hugs and the support they need from a large extended uh, group of family and friends. A lot of it is totally done, you know, remotely. It's just sort of, it's changed the way of life for funerals, I think, for, for many years into the future. I mean, so it's good that people that aren't in town can participate in a service, but to have that personal connection and touching people is something that's totally missed, and it's really hard, really hard on families. I'm involved, I happen to be chair of a board of a, uh, a nonprofit that has a counseling center, and you know, we see a large increase in the number of people who need support because they can't get it. Um, like they used to from, you know, close family and friends on a a day-to-day basis, you know, just to have physical contact taken away from you is is really depressing for for many people. Yeah. Well, although there is no substitute for, for close, intimate contact like that, are you seeing anything or have any ideas for how people can try to handle that grief in, in a different way without getting the hugs that they need? Or is it just sort of, we're all in this together and, and one step at a time? Well, I think, you know, making calls, obviously. I mean, some seniors don't have access to uh, video chats and video conferencing, so that's tough. But um, just calling people and, and uh, if you have a neighbor, stop by and drop off, you know, a casserole or something. Yeah. Uh, and leave it on the front porch and talk from the sidewalk. You know, just let people know that you're still caring about them. That makes a, a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, is there anything do you think I'm missing about natural uh, burials and, and or, or what about what you do? Anything you think we should discuss? Well, one thing I think is worth mentioning is that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Uh, in Las Vegas, we don't have any natural cemeteries. We don't have any green cemeteries, which means that they'll allow you to bury without a vault or a liner. But uh, we can create options for people so they can do as much green as possible for the funeral service by choosing not to embalm, using a green casket, uh, using a shroud. And then instead of placing the 
casket in a vault that has a bottom, ask the cemetery to uh, place the casket directly on the earth and then place the vault over the top. Mm. Um, so there's things that people can do even if they don't have uh, full natural burial options in their community. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I, I think it raises the point that I think, you know, if people are interested, they should uh, think about and, and do some research on what other options could be available to them, right? I feel like a lot of us just kind of accept, you know, I'm going to be buried or I'm going to be cremated. And, but there's a lot of different options within those, right? You mentioned aqua cremation sure. or, you know, being buried in pine as opposed to a big concrete slab or, or whatever it is. So I would definitely encourage people to continue to do some research uh, like that. I'm also curious, is embalming to your knowledge mandatory in in a lot of states in the u.s i know you're in no. nevada it's not there's no state that requires embalming okay and there may be certain circumstances where it's required if you're going to be holding the body for an extended period of time but generally embalming is not required even to cross state lines nobody requires that we've sent bodies to different countries without embalming them. You have to check the regulations, you know, the receiving country, but there are other options. We can enclose the body and we use something called BioSeal, which basically encloses the body. It's hermetically sealed and um, put some gel packs to keep the body cold and we can send them anywhere. So yeah, I, I would also encourage people to maybe check out the Green Burial Council. It's a nonprofit that has a lot of resources on green burials and has resources for funeral homes in different states. So if somebody is looking at exploring this option, that's a good resource where they can connect them with somebody locally. That's great. And and what is your website? Ours is craftsussman.com with a K, K-R-A-F-T-S-U-S-S-M-A-N.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, take care of yourself. Thanks, Patrick. It'll be really tough to think about making your final plans. But number one, it'll help your family out. And number two, if there's something that you end up wanting, you know, you kind of have to have that in place a little bit or at least discuss it with a family member. And hopefully, you know, through conversations like this, people can... Find that it's not so difficult to have these conversations, to think about what they want at their, at their end. And it's nice to know that there are ways to help out the earth, to not put on a, a big carbon footprint as your last act on this earth. It'd be funny if somebody went the other way and had like a, like a Hummer hearse <laughs> to drive them around. Well, thank you very much for listening. I'd also like to mention my other podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety. To show about the things that make us anxious, nervous, scared. And we usually find that through discussing them, most things aren't things that you have to worry about every day. Or, or they may not be as scary as you think. Season 2 of that podcast will be coming soon after Season 2 of Death Space Filling the Void wraps up. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye.